0: Good morning, everyone. My name is Jeremy Kitchen. I'm the executive director here at Texans for Fiscal Responsibility. We are joined this morning by our fearless leader, President and CEO, Tim Harden. Good morning, Tim. Good morning. And we are also joined once again by Vance Ginn, a PhD economist, president of Ginn Economic Consulting. Good morning, Vance. Hey, good morning. It's good to be with you. I figured this morning we would focus on kind of what will be the big news this week, right? And that's the Texas House of Representatives is uh, is taking up and considering House Bill 1, which is the proposed state budget for the next two fiscal years, the next biennium. Um, that'll take place Thursday morning. Um, at the outset, I want to let everyone know that, of course, we will be live streaming um, the event. This will come with, of course, commentary uh, from us, some um, some insight from special guests to include you, Vance, right, and, and and other folks, people that have kind of a slice of the pie, if you will, that have a focus, um, uh, something that the budget touches. Of course, the state budget pretty much touches all topics under the sun. And so I wanted that to be our focus uh, this morning, give, give folks a, a preview as to kind of the top level, um, items to come out of the proposed budget, um, and then things that we might be focused on. And so, uh, Tim, I'll go ahead and start with you, just kind of a 30,000 foot view, maybe talk about the frozen budget, that sort of thing, and then we'll go to Vance.
1: Yeah, of course, you know, in our uh, Texas Prosperity Plan, we're advocating for a frozen budget. And so uh, what is it? Well, kind of exactly what it it sounds like. We operate under the premise when we ask conservatives, when we ask uh, really any Republicans, um, you know, is government too big? Uh, The answer is always yes. And so we've had this kind of status quo where everyone has conceded the government is too big It continues to grow. But yet... Uh, The status quo is, well, we'll just slow the growth of governments. Uh, But if it's already too big, is that not the wrong strategy? And so what we come up with is, listen, government is already too big. Uh, We need to stop governments in its tracks at bare minimum. Uh, in reality, what we need to do is shrink the size of government. So not only should we not be growing it anymore, not only should we not, like, stop it in its, its tracks, we should actually be actively cutting and, and slashing governments. Uh, you know, but for our purposes here, we think at bare minimum, the next step is, okay, let's stop growing governments let's stop it in its tracks and let's freeze the budget. And the, the premise behind this has to do with one of the other planks of our Texas prosperity plan, which is property taxes. And so you know, under our plan, if we freeze the budget to the last biennium's levels, this would produce a much more massive surplus that we, we could use to pay down school M&O and ultimately put us on a path towards elimination. So that's kind of the, the bird's eye view of our, our idea.
0: Now, Vance. Obviously, like you know, the the budget process itself is inherently complicated, maybe purposefully so, right? Um, from a kind of a you know, if you're a taxpayer that's tuning into this, you probably have no idea where to start right i mean the budget document itself is arguably the largest bill that lawmakers vote on obviously as tim talked about we support at texans for fiscal responsibility the kind of the frozen budget approach um there are different approaches as he alluded to as well but what are your kind of at least initial thoughts on this budget specifically uh compared to maybe previous budgets um and then maybe we'll get into some of the nitty-gritty
2: yeah, Jeremy, I think y'all you have know, hit a lot of the, the key points here um, where this is a massive budget that the Texas House has proposed. Um, and you look at it from different ways. It's it's definitely a massive increase in spending, meaning the growth of government and how much influence they have in our lives. And, you know, some some listeners will know that I've, I've worked on the conservative Texas budget for a number of years, and I've worked with a lot of states um, across the nation on responsible budgeting and, you know, using some of the What have been kind of proven as, you know, like population growth plus inflation sort of growth rates um, for spending. But the but the issue is, as Tim mentioned, is that that continues to grow government, even if it's within inflation and population. Well, inflation is too high today, (laughs) you know, and we've had a lot of other issues. And the thing I think about with the frozen Texas budget, what's so important about it right now, is that we have a thirty three billion dollar surplus. We don't need to be spending that money. That should be returned to taxpayers in every way possible. And that's what the frozen Texas budget will do. If you did that for the current 2022 23 biennium and the upcoming 24 25 biennium, Um, if you freeze that, you're looking at about $60 billion that would be available. That would be a huge down payment to eliminating the school maintenance and operation property tax, just a massive amount of money that's available. And so, whenever I've been looking at these numbers and Texas Fiscal Responsibility published a report that I put together last week, Um, and I just tweeted this and kind of a thread that I did over the weekend. Uh, So it's right at the top, advanced again (laughs) here on Twitter. But I put all the numbers out there. When you look at instead of a zero percent growth, general revenue, which is the one that they have the most control over, they have control over the whole budget, but that one's the most control. Okay, uh, was up 14.9 percent. Um, State funds, so you look at general revenue, general revenue, dedicated funds, and other funds, up 21.5%. And you look at the total budget, the all funds, it's up 14.3%. And even if you wanted to exclude, you know, some of the property tax relief, the new property tax relief, not the fake, you know, 16.5 billion um, from, or 17.3 billion from the House, um, 60.5 billion is the amount in the Senate, the 17.3 billion subtract out 5.3, you're only left with 12 billion, right? If you exclude that, the total budget still grows by 10%. Uh, state funds grow by 14.3%. And so this is a massive increase in the size and scope of government that we should be looking at putting more and more of those funds towards the property tax relief fund um, when it become, on Thursday, on budget day. Um, so you can move a lot of these funds around and, and and try to put as much as possible to property tax relief because Texans are facing a you know, affordability crisis um, really across the state when it comes to property taxes, and by limiting spending, even freezing the budget, but at the state and local levels, we could be in a much better path to more prosperity um, in, in Texas.
0: You know, obviously, y'all both hit on some pretty key points. I think, you know, there's there's quite a few things um, that when we look at the budget, right, it's like, oh, man, that shouldn't be there. This should be there, right? That sort of thing. And we'll see a lot of that come into fruition as they propose amendments on Thursday. Um, I imagine we'll see some some amendments that we support at Texans for Fiscal Responsibility, some pro-taxpayer amendments and what have you. Um, but you also have, you know, kind of on on, on the other side of this, I, I, it's as we talked about here without implicitly saying it, right? This is, the budget has grown really, the last two, two decades, if not more, under Republican control. But you also have the Democrat caucus, at least in the House, has said they have huge concerns with, I think, what is the largest portion of the budget, and that's Article 3, right? That's education. Um, and that's they, they have concerns about, allegedly, that Texas is not fully funding schools. Vance, I'm going to go to you. What what exactly does that mean when they say that? And then what's the reality?
2: Yeah, Jeremy, I mean, they say this every time <laughs> that we're not fully funding schools. And I think it's just a made up number. It's always more. You ask them, well, how much should we how much should the state be funding? And they'll and they'll just give the answer more. And so they don't have a number. Um, and, and the question to me is, is that why are we spending more on education when we're not getting the outcomes that we would expect? If, if you're not getting the outcomes, you expect an increased productivity, increased output in the private sector. You cut back. You start looking at each one of those dollars and instead with something like education the answer is just let's keep spending more and there's a lot more towards education um within the house budget whether you when you look at state funds so um again i'm kind of breaking this down this is in that tweet it's in the texas fiscal responsibility um our document that was just put out last week you know public education is up uh 16.4 percent from appropriations to appropriations, which I should have mentioned earlier, but that's the way that that's the proper way to look at what's being appropriated during this biennium compared to what was appropriated in the last biennium. That's an apples to apples comparison. The Legislative Budget Board, which is, you know, they put out a lot of documents and, and summarize what the budget is doing. Um, but, but their numbers are apples to oranges. They compare spending from the current biennium to appropriations of what they're what they're looking at for the upcoming biennium, and that's apples and oranges, right? So they're only showing a 1.8 percent growth rate in the overall budget. But when you look at appropriations, what they did last time to this time, that's where you get you know closer to 15 15 um, percent. So it's a massive growth. And back to just education, Jeremy, um, and the all funds number is up 14.5 percent. So, how much more do they want us to spend on education when the student outcomes aren't there um, and, and everything else? This is just a, a nonsensical sort of approach that they like to take just to spend more money. Tim, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I, I think you know one thing Vance said that that I would wholeheartedly agree with is you know we we can't keep giving more money to a failing system. If you look at all of the problems in the education system whether it be honestly public education or even higher education right Uh, specifically in public education there's been a lot of noise about uh, the superintendents across the state and the administrative class and how much they make many of them make more than neurosurgeons uh, and these are supposed to be public servants it seems like every single year we come through with a 13th check and we pour more money on an education system which Uh, You know, one of the biggest narratives this go around is school choice. Why? Well, because of the failures of the public education system during the COVID pandemic, the masking policies, the vaccine policies, CRT, all uh, uh, like the parents being called domestic terrorists because they're trying to come to school boards who are working against parents. And so this is a failing system. Uh, What we need is not to pour more money and to burn big piles of money in a system that is ineffective and does not work. What we need is competition. Right. And I know that's a separate a separate uh, issue. And so we're, we're not necessarily going to get into school choice this to go around. But uh, the point is, we need to stop pouring money into this system uh, until we find a better fix. Right. And, and fix the problems in education. I would argue that, you know, competition is going to be the best way to, to fix that. Uh, but certainly the status quo, continuing to pour money into a broken system uh, is something we have to stop doing as a state. Hey,
2: hey Jeremy, could I add something real quick? Of course. Hey, I, I agree with Tim. He's right on as usual. Um, and you know, when I was looking at these numbers again for education, you know, it's okay. Where are those education to quote unquote public schools, which I just call them government schools because that's that's who funds it—the taxpayer, right—and <laughs> it's run by government. Um, but. You know, these dollars are not going to the teacher, which I would I think is arguably the, the best person to help us our kids to learn is the teacher. Well, you know, if you think about a classroom, on average, each student's getting fourteen thousand dollars that's sent out to schools. And you think of a classroom of the size of 20. Right. Which usually there are more than that in these in these public schools. But but about 20, that's two hundred eighty thousand dollars that goes to just the classroom. And a, and a teacher gets about sixty thousand dollars. So you're talking about only about 20% of the dollars that are going to the classroom are actually going to the teacher. It's because so much of it's going to administration and from all the rules and regulations that are sent down by the, by, by, by the federal government from the Department of Education, which should be abolished. Some of that's also from the state, but there's all these other things they have to go through and, and they wonder why there's not competition. They wonder why there's not improving results is because it's all going to administration and all these other shiny things compared to actually helping students learn and meet their unique needs, which is again, is why we need competition in School of Choice. But David, but just wanted to, to make that point that there's so many dollars that are floating around the system that are not being spent well, that they don't need any more money.
0: Of course, very well said. Another good example though of, you know, this kind of growing bureaucracy. I think inevitably we are also going to see amendments that attempt to grow what I believe is the second largest article in the budget, and that's Article 2, right? Health and Human Services. Vance, you had an interesting thread just a few days ago on Medicaid, Medicaid expansion, right? And how Texas is expanding Medicaid, maybe not as overtly, right, as just, you know, flat out expanding it, but doing it in very nuanced ways. Um, you want to briefly talk about that? I hate to throw you a, a curveball from left field, but obviously we can't talk about all of all of the money being spent by the state and federal government, um, obviously in our budget, without also talking about
2: that issue well I I love left field curveballs and baseball season just started (laughs) so I like how you put that there Um, but yeah I mean you're right so Texas has been kind of in in its own way um, expanding Medicaid in different areas not the quote-unquote Medicaid expansion from Obamacare way that other states have been doing and now Texas is one of only ten states left that haven't expanded Medicaid North Carolina just expanded um, so we, we we really need to keep fighting back on that because what we've seen in other states that have expanded Medicaid is not improving um, patient outcomes. Again, kind of going back to the education spending part, <laughs> right? But you're not seeing improved um, uh, patient outcomes as far as getting better and, and, and things of that nature. Um, wh- what we are seeing is massive increases in costs well above what was expected, which is government. So this usually happens not only from the amount received in federal funds from, the, from, from Congress, which is just coming out of your left pocket, but also the money out of our right pocket to what the state is having to pay more for these expansions. And some of this is going to go away from what happened during the pandemic from Congress's actions under the CARES Act, where they did this expansion to where you can't income out or age out of Medicaid as long as the emergency declaration is in place uh, at the federal level. Well, that expires on May 11th, so next month. And so some of these people are gonna be falling off of Medicaid pretty quickly. From what I understand, it's about a million more people that are on Medicaid than otherwise would be if the eligibility criteria was the same as what it was before the pandemic. So a lot of those are gonna fall off. And so what state of Texas is doing is trying to expand the maternal, um, um, being on Medicaid after you have a baby for 12 months instead of two months. Um, and look, there might be some, some good ideas there of why that's being done, um, but, the, but, the, but the point is it will be costly. And, and it is a way that's being expanded. And if you look at what's happened to, for other people on Medicaid who make it very difficult to get a doctor, many doctors don't accept Medicaid patients anymore because the, the payments just aren't there. The reimbursement rates are very low. And, and so I think that we're doing a disservice by focusing on expanding Medicaid in some sense, and instead making sure that we lower property taxes and have the best economic environment so people can get jobs and get out of poverty instead of elongating how people are going to be in, in poverty overall. So there are massive increases in the budget um, for Article 2, which is our Health and Human Services, of 16.5% um, from last budget to this budget. So it's also a massive increase. Tim,
0: did you have anything to add there before we wrap up?
1: I mean, uh, I think as a general statement, you know, we when we have problems, or there's problems. Uh, generally the the question is what can the government do, right? The the government does not solve problems. The government creates problems. And I think it's very, very clear uh, everything that the government touches that turns to crap you know you look at any you know you look at the post office you look at any of this stuff the solution and in a in a capitalist society which we have been which has pulled more people out of poverty in the history of the world than than the, the rest of history combined is the free market and allowing the free market to innovate uh, and ultimately what we're talking about in simplistic terms is competition and so uh, the same solution for school uh, which is competition, which is allowing uh, you know parents to choose. This is the same solution that needs to happen uh, in the medical field, right? More competition, less regulation, allowing people to make their own decisions and allowing uh, you know medical businesses to innovate and bring healthcare to people at a lower cost. Government interjecting and putting price controls and regulating medicine, all all of this uh, you know, which would the, the main arm would be through that you know that socialistic Medicaid Medicare uh, problem. It, it's, it's not going to solve the problem. We've been doing this for decades. It continually you know, increases prices, makes things worse. Uh, the best thing the government could do is step out of the way, let the free market work, and you'd be amazed just how quickly uh, prices will start coming down as competition increases.
0: Well, all right. That was a kind of preview, if you will, for what you can expect Thursday. Again, as a reminder, we are doing a live stream called Big Money, Big Decisions. Uh, You can check it out. We'll start going live at 9.30 a.m. Thursday. I'm ahead of or likely ahead of uh, the House debating. I'm using air quotes, but deliberating uh, the proposed budget document for the next two years. So make sure to check us out there. Subscribe, of course, to YouTube. Follow us here on Twitter. um, And then, of course, like and follow our Facebook page. We'll be streaming on all of those platforms starting at 9.30 Thursday morning. Uh, Try to entertain questions and everything as the live stream progresses. We'll be joined by a bunch of special guests and kind of budget uh, professionals and and experts to include people like Vance Ginn who joined us uh, graciously on this podcast this morning. I appreciate everyone joining us. We will be back with another episode of the week ahead on Monday next week at 9 a.m.
2: Thanks so much.